This is the Humans of Gaming Podcast, an open and honest conversation about games, life, and belief. Hey, this is Drew Dixon. I am the chief content nerd at Love Thy Nerd and co-host of this podcast. And I'm joined with my co-host, Chris Gwaltney. Hey, Chris. Hey, welcome to Humans of Gaming, where we ask humans about their humanity and their games. Yeah. How they do. It's pretty good. Right. It's uh, if that's gonna be like a tagline for the podcast, we need to work. We need to work on it a little bit. <laughs> Come on, that was like raw and vulnerable and real. Yeah. Well. well all right. Better like next time. I'll that try. Was okay. I'll try. Next time. <laughs> you did all right today. Yeah, man. I'm good. Bought some games. Yeah. I started playing nice. um, near autom- oh, yeah. auto automata automata. How do you say it? Automata. Automata. Automata is what I say, but I have no idea if that's right. Yeah. So I actually bought and played it like a year and a half ago, and it just didn't click with me, like seven hours or something. It just didn't click, so I took it back. Yeah, me too. I did the same thing. I didn't take it back, but... For some reason, I've just been thinking like, man, I want to try that again. So here we go. It's like, uh, I mean, there's some people that love that yeah. game like it's dearly loved by a certain like subset of gamers right um i think it's really well made in many ways i don't necessarily get it either but i haven't i didn't get far enough to like really get into it so i'm determined to eventually go back and like plow through it and and see if it like clicks with me you know yeah well so you have to let me know i'll let you, you know. know and you said you got dark souls too so yeah i'm gonna play through that with my boy Ryan, we just finished uh, Divinity Original Sin 2, yeah. which is a literal masterpiece. I mean, like, oh, so yeah. good. I mean, top five game, top five of all time for me, easily. Wow. Yeah. Those, those are strong words. It's way good. So, anyway, well, him I and may I are have play to, yeah, Dark Souls. I may out. have to get Dark Souls 2 and play through it with you as well because. Do it. You you helped me quite a bit through Dark Souls three, so Let's I think that could be fun. I've heard people people are really mixed about Dark Souls two. Like yes. some people say it's the worst of the Dark Souls game, which I think probably means it's still really great. But it's basically it's it's the last Jedi of the Dark Souls series. Yeah, <laughs> like it's That's... just really polarizing, you know. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Well, uh, we should introduce our guests because they yeah. made a game. That's really great, and I think probably has some inspiration from Dark Souls, which we just talked about. So our special guests this week are Derek and Mike, Derek Bradley and Mike Vermullen. Did I say your name right, Mike? Oh, it's close enough. It's close enough. You say it for me. <laughs> Vermeulen. 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 Yeah, that's that, yeah. That sounds like a, a German name. Is that German? It's a, it's South African. Uh, oh, it is. Batch, so Peter... It might as well be German. Okay. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay. So, uh, Derek, Mike, how are you guys doing? Yeah, good, thank you. Yeah. All fine here. Yeah. And uh, so you guys are are with uh, Aurora44. 
844, actually, as we recently... 844. Oh, okay, so now you just it's just called A44, huh? Yeah, pretty much. It's just kind of like it fits into like so many more formats a lot more easily, I guess. You know, it just matches up with our logo. Yeah, yeah. So um, we were just talking about Dark Souls. Am I right in saying that you guys were influenced by that game, I would assume? Yeah, we have we have we can confirm that we have definitely played Dark Souls. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Great. Good podcast. We'll see you. <laughs> um, all right, which which Dark Souls is your favorite? Um or Souls game, I guess. Or Souls game, yeah, because there's a lot. There too. It's tough. I it's between 1 and 3 for me personally. I'm not too not too sure which one. I I would certainly pick Bloodborne as the Souls mm. genre game okay. of preference, other than Ashen, of course. <laughs> I, right, uh, right. I um, I would probably, I probably have to say three if I wanted to play it tomorrow. One if I just had to play one once in my life, you know. That's, right. That's now notice neither of them said anything about Dark Souls too. So I think we've proved, <laughs> we've proved the point. Yeah, I, I I can confirm also that we have we have developers in our studio who who think that Dark Souls Two is the best of the of the bunch. We so we, we just don't bring it up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, great. I feel like that's how the Last Jedi is now. It's like now the three things that you don't talk about are politics, religion, and the Last Jedi. <laughs> <laughs> that's right yeah although i kind of love to talk about it and just like see if it makes people mad i'm into it man i hated the last jedi i mean i think i talked to you about it drew like i was yeah. pissed when i first saw the last jedi and then after i got off my high horse and went and saw it again i'm like i love it that's a great story to me it's a good redemption story because <laughs> yeah there's so many people that uh, that I think just won't admit it's great. Where are you guys at, Derek and so, Mike, on the Last Jedi? I liked it. Like I, I guess I'm just not that hugely emotionally invested in like what it has to be, you know. So I just kind of go along, see a movie that was kind of fun to watch, and I'm, and I'm kind of happy with that, you know. Basically, yeah, pretty much the same, you know. It's it's fine. <laughs> you guys are way too easy going i was hoping we could pick a fight but man yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the world would be a better place if we had more derricks and mics you know we, we live in new zealand man there's like there's, there's rolling green hills and right kind of, we, had, we had orcas in the, in the harbor once in a while around here yeah <laughs> yeah you guys live in like one of the most beautiful places on earth so yeah. you can't like get too upset about anything i guess yeah yeah i think we're, we're, we're pretty lucky here far away from from most things and you know like derek says is, is we look out outside and there's just mountain ranges and blue skies at the moment so um yeah, yeah we're, that's nice we're, we're pretty chill most of the time <laughs> that's cool well, uh, we kind of hinted at this already, but yeah, tell us, like, for our listeners who haven't played uh, Ashen, give us, like, the quick pitch, what it what it's about and what makes it unique. All right. Um, Derek's nodding and pointing to me to take this one. So, <laughs> uh, in the usual spiel. Um, yeah, so Ashen is, a, is an action um, 
action game that features stamina-based combat. Um, it's also open world and has passive multiplayer as a as a kind of way to set itself apart to ease people into the genre uh, and yeah. to allow people to play together. So the game itself um, is about kind of waking up in this uh, world deprived of light. It's completely dark. Um, and, and suddenly the light returns to this world. And so um, you go out and, and kind of learn the story of the world um, and eventually try and find the source of this light. Yeah. And so uh, when you say passive multiplayer, there will be some of our listeners that don't know what that means. It's sort of like like Journey, right? Like you, you'll be randomly connected with another player um, and sometimes you'll just kind of come upon each other like you would in Journey. Um, yeah, so you... passive multiplayer, the way we approached it is um, we really wanted to give players uh, the opportunity to play together even though they might not always kind of like actively pursue that, I suppose. Right. You're running around the world and um, you might come across another player, you might play together with them, you might go your separate ways. And that's one of the core, I guess, mantras of the game is really to, to build relationships with these other players, whether that's actively playing together or helping each other out or even going, going kind of your separate ways. Um, I'm sure there's meaning in that as well yeah yeah and uh to me i think the game really incentivizes you to to play together like um and obviously like you guys also put into the game um if you if you're for whatever reason if you're not able to connect with another player the game will connect you with an npc companion or a, um or, you know a, an ai companion that will go along with you but um i found myself like really when i whenever i've I'm playing with a real player with another real player. Like I just stick by that person like so closely (laughs) constantly because I think you guys did a great job of designing it um, from the ground up to be best played in that kind of like co-op setting. I mean, I'm I'm sure that was intentional, right? Yeah, that's absolutely right. We, We kind of, we don't really want players to just feel alone in this, in this big world. Um, mm-hmm. so yeah, even, even if you, if you don't enjoy the company of another player, um, you won't really find yourself alone. Uh, we have, we have what you mentioned, the, the, an AI that stands in for another player, but, um, we, we've, we've seen anecdotally from, from people playing that, uh, pretty much like you said, kind of the moment they run into another player and realize it, it is another player, um, that, that those people stick together as long as possible and help each other out. And I think for what we set out to do, that that's that's exactly kind of the result we wanted to see. People mm-hmm. collaborating in a you know in a stamina based combat setting. It's kind yeah. of interesting, I suppose, like watching the community response to Ashen and I suppose uh, if you want to call it like the difficulty curve that occurs throughout Ashen where you're playing with somebody else, so um, I suppose like if you if you were to compare it to say Dark Souls One, playing with someone else is significantly easier than playing mm-hmm. with uh, sorry, mm-hmm. playing by yourself. And the game is almost unbalanced when you play with someone else, like particularly mm-hmm. the the outer world, like like where you're you're playing against normal enemies, like bosses are a bit more balanced. Um, 
I believe, because like you know, Dark Souls has things like health scaling on their bosses and whatever to make them a bit more uh, in line with two players when you do hop in. Whereas the whole of Ashen is balanced for two players. Yeah. Uh, so if you go by yourself, it's a little bit harder. Uh, but it also a means... lot harder, yeah. <laughs> in my opinion. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's a lot harder, and it, but it's quite interesting. Just triggered, Drew. Some of the response we get from, particularly from um, people who are very hardcore into the genre in general and might have played yeah. like all of the other stamina-based combat games, is like, oh, it's easier than the others. Um, but then they hit the dungeons, and like, you know, the first dungeon is a bit of a challenge, and then they hit yeah. the second dungeon, and they're like, wow, okay, this is like a serious challenge like 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 this lines up with um the other games in the genre um even when you have two players together like mm-hmm. it, it's it's challenging um you know and, and for us it's quite interesting to watch how players react to that how they kind of play through it because on purpose we wanted it to make a game where uh, more players can enjoy it and so what i found at least when i started playing this sort of game was i would play it for two days and then just kind of maybe get too frustrated and have to take about a week off and then play it for another <laughs> Yeah, we've we've essentially engineered that through the game in a lot of ways through multiplayer because there's someone who can help you out with these sorts of things but also when you hit a dungeon it's like the dungeons give you like a little bit of taste a little taste of that brutality you know with the bosses being the culmination of that and then you get released again into the outer world where it's more about you exploring with people for a little while it's like a palate cleanser you get to like you know the difficulty Mm -hmm. is generally ramping up but it's nowhere near as tight or as grueling as a dungeon, and then you hit another dungeon together, so you've kind of built up a bit of your own personal stamina, and you're, like, ready to tackle this again with another person and, like, stick more tightly to another person when you're in a dungeon, but when you're in the outer world, like, just like Mike was saying, like, some of the interesting stuff is just seeing someone else run along the horizon and kind of let them go, you know, and you're going your own Mm -hmm. way, or whatever it might be, it's like, you're not necessarily on that knife edge out in the world. Um, which is really cool, um, you know, because when you put out a game, you don't necessarily know uh, how people are going to experience it. But um, mm-hmm. we found that it's kind of gone um, exactly to plan, which is quite amazing. Yeah. I mean, I feel like I could, like, I've kind of gotten to where I love these types of games. Like, um, I recently played through Bloodborne, and then immediately after that, I played through Dark Souls 3. And so, like, those were kind of my first, like, Souls-like games. And I and I just, it, the the that uh type of game just immediately like clicked with me and the the risk reward of them and the high stakes sort of sort of uh emergent situations that arise out of your play Mm. um are something i just really dig but what was amazing to me about playing ashen is how you guys managed to breathe some new life into this genre and create some really unique i think emergent experiences um it's like some that that have been meaningful to me are like when you're in because you talked about how the dungeons are significantly harder um and so like when you get separated accidentally from your companion and the dungeon it's like the most nerve-wracking thing you're like i gotta figure out like how like you'll accidentally fall off a ledge or get knocked off a ledge and you don't die but you're, you know, your companion is up somewhere else, and you, and it's dark, and you're having to use your lantern. And you're like, I don't know how to get back to them. Uh, those make for some great moments. And also, I love the um, the revival system. Like you can revive your, you and your teammate can both revive the other one once, or you, or you can be revived once. Right, is how it works. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, and so like 
if you get knocked down and you're waiting to be revived, just like watching your teammate like take on a a big slew of enemies, you're just like praying <laughs> that they that they get back to you. Um, is a pretty great, pretty great like moment that um, I was surprised at how like um, like because usually when you're watching, like when you when you were waiting to be revived, like it's it's not quite as intense, but. I don't know. I was just always on the edge of my seat whenever that would happen. Um, especially if I hadn't gotten back to, you know, if I had lost a whole bunch of, uh, um, oh, I forget what you call it. What do you call souls in this game? It's not souls, obviously, but... Um, uh, scoria. Yeah, Scoria, right. Especially if I was, like, having a whole bunch of Scoria that I needed to get to that I was going to lose, and I'm just like, oh, please, come <laughs> like, revive me. Yeah, uh, I did so. think, like, um, revival seems so like uh, it fits the genre perfectly i would say where in a mm-hmm. lot of things it's like um say like in a diablo type game you know like you're you're inherently more powerful than most of the enemies that you're fighting so when you do die yeah. like a mishap or you kind of ran out of health potions or whatever the case might be um and like your buddy more or less like cleans everything up and and, and would revive you in in that sort of dynamic um but with this because like you know three hits and your your buddy might be dead it's like right on the knife edge constantly and that's what mm-hmm. like one of the hallmarks of the genre is is that you're not really stronger than anything else you're just more clever than anything else is how you have to get through and that just puts that whole yeah like waiting for somebody else is like it, it seems like it fits perfectly and i mean for us i i, I guess in, in in some of the other games in the genre though couldn't necessarily do it because maybe the game isn't as focused on specifically pve but for us in a PvP yeah. setting, it, it was just like a, a very uh, clear path forward. Mm. Um, and one of those ways that we kind of introduce emergent ways for players to like kind of fix up their own difficulty curves when things are too hard. Uh, yeah. where just understanding those mechanics can make the game uh, a lot more bright. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Another thing I was to say, a great, like the moments when you do lose your teammate, uh, your, your, your partner... Um, those can provide for some really epic moments um, because you know you you can you can uh, use the the bones I forget what you call it and teleport out if you want um, back to you know the the hub world what do you call those the craven remnants the craven remnants I never pay attention to the titles of things I just know <laughs> what they do <laughs> um, but uh, you probably get that a lot but anyway. Um, yeah, so you could you could do that if you wanted to, but like you you you're gonna have to fight off some em- enemies to like you know get that out and do it. But uh, but if you want to go on and press in further into the dungeon, like it can feel it feels incredibly heroic to get to me personally, like to to go through like to delve deeper into the dungeon on my own. And so if you're able to pull that off, like there's a real thrill of of um like of accomplishment that comes from that, which is, which is unique because the whole thing's been built for like to be a lot safer to explore with two people. Yeah. I mean, I think for us, the way we think about, I guess, story in our games is, is, is mostly uh, like what you just described where it's like, mm-hmm. you're trying to engineer the potential for players to create their own emergent story. And a lot of that ends up being, it's not about like um, necessarily like the fanciest writing or like things that are like rigid and set in your story it's about like what's the story when a player's buddy dies and they're halfway down a dungeon 
you know so yeah. like the story mm-hmm. could end up being like a, a, a tragic tale where your buddy dies and then you like try <laughs> go further and die too uh the story otherwise could be like your buddy died like right next to the end of it or like the two of you got through it together or you were struggling and your buddy kind of like pulled you through you know and yeah. so like mm-hmm. all of those are just like emergent devices that we try to bring in and i suppose the way that we look at it is and i think like inherently in games it's about dialogue with the player not necessarily about like an enforced rigid structure around the player and it's so it's like guessing um you know three moves ahead of what someone could need or be able to make use of and uh, yeah with you know um and i think those mm-hmm. are the most important stories like uh, interactive media like games could tell right and those are the most memorable stories too, you know, like I think the story that you're a part of versus, you know, the story that's being told to you. I mean, it makes mm-hmm. me think, you know, I mentioned earlier, like playing through Divinity Original Sin with my friend Ryan and like, you know, we still laugh about just some of these ridiculous hijinks that we got ourselves into. Um, and it had nothing to do with like the story that was being told in the game. It had to do with whatever stupid thing we were doing. Um and that's like, that's so cool. And I imagine that is so much harder to design for. Like you said, you know, trying to guess three steps ahead or, you know, create those spaces for those stories to happen, I imagine is not easy. Uh, yeah, I think it's almost just like a, a paradigm shift, you know, where um, I know we almost like look at a lot of things that are designed around us now. And it's like, Oh, this thing was not designed with like dialogue. In my, I think we, we were looking at my pants today. This cell phone just does not fit in this pocket, like very, like well, you know, uh, like you're gonna lose this as soon as you sit great. down in the car or something. And it's like these guys did not engage in dialogue with their consumer. <laughs> you know, you gotta like design them, make sure they look good, then put them on and do some things with them and think like yeah. three steps ahead, you know? And I think as soon as you do that, the solutions are actually really simple because it just becomes a matter of dialogue as a matter it, it, instead of like a matter of like giving a well-crafted speech, I suppose, is more like the rigid approach. And sure. like di- dialogue is like, it's like an organic thing and it's something as humans we do every day, but it's, it is still a little bit like stepping out on a limb because you don't really know what people are going to do when you actually release mm-hmm. it. So it's, it's a little bit more unknown. Whereas like a rigid thing, you can go like, Oh yeah, no three X structure. we got this thing. We did these mm-hmm. things. You can read it all out. You can send it to people and they can like, everyone's looking at the same thing and evaluating whether it's good. But um, that, those kind of like emergent devices are a little bit trickier in that they're, they, they exist in the moment, you know? Yeah, and maybe yeah. to add on that, like in the in the case of Ashen, what we really looked for is is not so much like Derek mentioned the rigid structure, do do this, do that, but more giving players, I guess, a couple of options to to then go and explore the world themselves. And even developers in the studio would use these tools. So say say our cooperative kind of uh, climbing system. Um, once once we got that in, and the whole studio was playing the game and. Uh, and 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 just exploring the world, they would very quickly start doing their own crazy things. Like we had a we had a um, a whole group of developers make this kind of ashen climbing club to try and climb up <laughs> on the high uh, structure. <laughs> and um, and and that's just because we we gave out tools to our players to say, hey, these are this this is your toolkit. Go out and explore yeah. the world how how you want, rather than than be stuck on rails. Right. Yeah. 
It makes me think of Breath of the Wild and like some of the absolute ridiculous videos that people just do these insane, you know, like yeah. uh, what are those called? Rube Goldberg, you know, like the thing where it's like they do that stuff in Breath of the Wild and it's just like, I love that, man. Yeah, yeah, and I think that that's that's kind of that whole uh, kind of idea of having dialogue with your player, right? You don't. I mean, we we see like a bunch of gameplay videos coming in with players breaking our game, falling yeah. through the wall, cheating their way through uh, some secret passageway that they might have found, and um, there was I, someone who skipped the second boss, right? Yeah, there was someone who skipped the second boss, but oh, we wow. went ahead and made sure the game wouldn't break if that would We didn't know if it was possible. We didn't think it was possible. Yeah. Uh, there's, there's a very convoluted path you can take, like, and, like, somehow just catch on ledges and stuff and, like, climb over his whole arena and make it to the next bit. And it's, yeah. it's pretty interesting. It's the very... internet will find a way every time. <laughs> yeah, no, I think that's every great. And that's time. us having dialogue with the player and, and saying, yeah. like, yeah, sure, go ahead and do this. It's yeah. your story. Because, like, yeah, I mean, for, for to that degree, exactly what Mike's saying there, like, we still build the game. We were like, someone might be able to do this. So if you do do that, like, you know, the, the whole game structure doesn't break. Like, you know, there's somebody waiting at the next dungeon to make sure that you have the quest to go into that dungeon, all that kind of stuff. And that's because it's generally encouraged and it's like a perspective that we have that it's okay for players to make their own way through the world. Like, I guess that person's like crafted their own adventure <laughs> quite dramatically, but yeah. Oh, <laughs> well, I was going to, maybe that's the one, but I was going to ask what's the most surprising thing you've heard, like that players have done with your game that you wouldn't have expected. Well, that, that's mine, but <laughs> I think, uh, I, yeah, I think that one, that one was great because essentially what that, that <coughs> does is it allows you to, to unlock, well, it unlocks fast travel for you. So, the rest of the game you have to go through without fast travel. I think for me the most crazy thing was um, a player playing in our Children of Sister mode, which I won't spoil, um, but going through the game in that mode without taking a hit of damage. Oh yeah, the zero, uh, zero hit run. Zero, uh, zero hit Jeez. run throughout the entire oh, game. Gosh. To us is just that, that is um, some extreme skill. <laughs> I am so bad at video games like that. Just oh my gosh. <laughs> Yeah, I've been playing. Um, have you guys played Dead Cells? Yep, yep. Yeah, it's been on my list. So there's um there's this cool system in there. I or I think it's cool that uh, you there's these cursed chests, like cursed um, treasure chests that you can open. But if you open it, like you're gonna get some you get some great treasure. But uh, like you know um, upgrades and 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 weapons and things. Um, but if you do, you have to kill 10 enemies without taking a hit, a single hit of damage, or you're dead. Mm -hmm. um, and, uh, like, that's a really cool, like, I just appreciate, it's one of those things that changes the flow of your play. And so whenever I, I do those, it's always like this, just like super careful, and you're just like completely zoned in on making sure you don't make any mistakes. So um, basically those developers looked at a mimic from Dark Souls, and they're like, hey, how could we make this worse? <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's kind right. of what it is. You don't have to fight anything, or you don't have to fight the chest anyway. Well, yeah, but, but you've got uh, to fight 10 things. Or, yeah, right? you gotta kill t yeah, you got to kill 10 <laughs> and enemies. And not get hit. Yeah, you get, and, uh, oh, so in the later levels, especially when you're playing some pretty gnarly uh, 
uh, enemies. It's it's intense. So I have a question, guys. Um, do you get like annoyed or bummed or sad if and when people continually reference Dark Souls when they talk about your game? Uh, I think we've got like two perspectives on that. Like, first of all, like being compared to Dark Souls in any way is pretty amazing, actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's an amazing game, so I, I don't think that's bad. Uh, I think the other thing is, though, and it's, it's actually really interesting and something we're we're a part of is I think where stamina based combat started and what it does the the sort of uh, genre so to speak I think is still getting built where right now anything that has essentially a stamina bar will be considered deriv- derivative of Dark Souls and almost even anything that was tough at some point was written right. Right. Sure. Like, if anything was difficult like difficult fishing game the souls the souls, the souls of fishing game of fishing game um, souls fishing but, yeah but I, I think at some point like it's, it's actually quite interesting because i think the genre will be born from it uh and, and those those rules so to speak are still getting set and um it's kind of like a, what was the first first the first uh, first person shooter was it like I don't know if it was Doom. Was it Wolfenstein? Yes, it was Wolfenstein. Yeah. Then, like, you know, that comes out and everything would be a Wolfenstein clone for, like, mm-hmm. 10 years after it, you know? Um, and I guess what we need to see is, like, some other standout things that do different stuff. Um, and for us, it's it's really interesting. We feel like we're a part of something quite big that's happening. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, our challenge is to continually question what it means to be um, in that genre uh, does it mean that you have a stamina bar? Does it mean that your combat is uh, on the knife edge? You know, you just get a, you get hit a couple of times and you're dead as opposed to 20 times and you're dead. You know, like, mm-hmm. um, and figuring that stuff out is, is interesting. Um, yeah, but I, I I don't think that we're bothered by it in any way, to be completely honest. No, it, it's, it, it's exactly like Derek says. It's quite humbling um, to know that we can, we can kind of... Uh, compare ourselves on that level and, and see where we stand with, with our take on it. And um, I think it helps push the, the, the genre forward, just seeing more and more games um, t- take on, I guess, the, the stamina-based combat rule set um, and just evolve yeah. that, that genre. Hmm. So you guys are actually the first people I've ever heard use this stamina-based combat term. I've never heard that before. Because, like... Surely we can't we can't just keep calling the genre souls like like we need something better than that maybe so like uh, did you guys come up with that or you heard that from somewhere else I don't actually know that's a good question because I mean like is it the stamina that de- defines the genre maybe I guess it's a core part of the genre and it leads into the difficulty and, and all that yeah. stuff I'm not sure, I don't know if we came up with it we just started using it at some point it's like something that we say so much within the studio and there's like there's like 40 of us you know in the studio for example <laughs> like but by the point you have like that much community around you using a term i don't actually know where it came <laughs> i think you guys yeah. came up let's just call it you guys came up with it this will be the debut right here yeah. world premiere <laughs> of the genre stamina based combat i mean like metroidvania still has metroid in it yeah um so i i I don't know like um i think names are powerful though and so depending on what it is will kind of influence it forever uh whether it's good to have it souls like i mean they did come up with it you know (laughs) so that's true yeah Yeah. the metroidvania yeah that's true that's i mean that's two different games right metroid and castlevania yeah i'm guessing that we're gonna see some more like 
Because Ashen's really great, and so I think we're going to see some other people make some Souls-like games that have passive multiplayer. Sure. So yeah. maybe when those games come out, we can call those Ashen-like. Souls-Ashen-like. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and it's like... Uh, yeah, yeah, well, exactly. So like, like calling it Souls-like, I think, is the same as saying like Metroidvania, and saying stamina-based combat is kind of like the same as saying first-person shooter, where you mm. you like boil it down to some convention, and anything that shoots that uh, that, that shoots from a first-person angle is a first-person shooter, you know? Um, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I don't really know. At, at some point, it kind of it melds into one thing anyway. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, um. I did want to talk because we talked about this a little bit earlier before we started the recording, um, you know, and I and I think, you know, the the story that emerges out of your play, your individual play of Ashen, is what makes it special. I think but there's also I've seen a lot of people actually talking about how um, how nice it is to see the world of the game kind of come back together. Um, so, so I do think there's there's some really nice like kind of um, story touches that you guys put into the game um, because you know like like Bloodborne and Dark Souls I think both those games even though you're progressing you never really feel like you're making the world a better place in those <laughs> games like like they're yeah. pretty oppressive experiences and uh, even though you're you're you feel good about the successes that you're having in the game you never really feel like um, I don't know. Like, like there's not a whole lot of hope in those games. Mm. But this is a very hopeful, hopeful game. Like, I think there's a lot of, um, yeah. It just feels really good to sort of be be building something from the ashes, as it were. Um, what where did that come from? Did you guys want to make a game that felt more hopeful compared to some of these other uh, games that maybe inspired it? Um. Yeah, I think, like, and this is, like, pretty much, like, thinking on the spot as to, like, you know, the darker... If I take, like, Dark Souls 1, maybe, is more about breaking relationships than it is about building them, you know? Because you're, like, you know, in a, in, in, in sort of the Soul series, you're kind of, like, hunting the Lords of Cinder, you know? Or you're you're, yeah. you're, you're trying to kill Gwyn, Lord of Cinder. You know, like, it, it, it's kind of, like, uh, yeah, ending something, and... The very, at the very start, we wanted to make like the, the the principle that we had, I suppose, and you kind of come up with these pillars as um, guiding lights in your in your development, so that three years down the line, when you've been working on it for three years, you don't just suddenly have a different other weird idea and start making something <laughs> else. You, know? you you almost need them to keep your sanity. And one of them for us was forging relationships was was key. Hmm. And so, if you go down the line of like, oh, we want to take. The, the the path to the left or the path to the right on our like story progression uh which one lines up with forging relationships and in general it'll be the one of like you know you're building something together so like you're building a town together or you're building a um a community or you're uh helping rebuild the world i guess is, is what it ends up being that it actually originated from something quite small uh which was the uh the multiplayer paradigm of like I think even to take an extra step back, we started off with the idea of um, how do we make NPCs come to life, right? Like, they're kind of these, mm -hmm. like, tools for quests in, in other games, and we wanted to make them come to life a bit more. So it was like, okay, they can give you quests in the in the town, 
but we want them to run out and like help you with these quests. We don't want them mm -hmm. to be these kind of like lazy NPCs that hang around town and like <laughs> wait for you to do their bidding. Mm -hmm. Then we've got them right. coming along with you, and then yeah, so we sort of formulated this this formula uh, the, this um, uh, idea of forging relationships and everything, including the story and the world and you know how much light is in the world and all that kind of stuff. Uh, very much all kind of formed around that, uh, which is why. Yeah, I suppose like if I were to backward en engineer in, re in relation to like um, the darker uh, Souls-like games is that those are often about dismantling something um, where forging relationships inherently kind of put us on a course to uh, bringing something together, you know, uh, building right. up, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. That's so yeah, cool. That like it's literally like a core value system, you know, like we just if I'm thinking and comparing it to like love thy nerd, you know, this thing that we started a year ago, like one of the first things we did was come up with, we actually call them pillars <laughs> as well. And it's like this core value or these things that you want to drive towards. And I've never heard anybody like developers talk about that in terms of making a game. And I think that's just like a really good, uh, way to do things. What were, were there other like pillars like that? Or was that kind of the main one? That was certainly the main one. I mean, the other ones got quite like technical where we knew we wanted to do like stamina-based mm -hmm. combat, for example. So it's like, okay. get that stuff really tight, make sure that we delve really deeply into it. We knew we wanted uh, passive, like exactly what Mike kind of r uh, rattled off before, where it's like open world, passive multiplayer, stamina-based combat. And those three things get a bit more technical. I think when we get into that one like guiding concept, if you have too many, then you kind of, it, it muddies the, the direction where I think for a lot of media and like games in particular uh, are kind of make and break uh, based I think on like the convergence of a lot of disciplines because there's so many that go into making a game um, that getting everybody to converge on one vision is is extremely key whether it be the, the name of the project the the central pillar of the project um, whatever it might be and I, I imagine it's actually the same for you guys where uh, you want this kind of cohesive thing. So all these different inspirations that are coming in uh, on their own stand as like valid things, but the way to make them more than the sum of their whole is to make them converge. And when they converge, they do more than what they do alone, you know? Yeah, definitely. That's cool. That's cool. Well, um, I've really enjoyed playing it. Um, would definitely encourage our listeners to go check it out. Uh, what's the response been like to the game? I mean, I know it hasn't been out very long, like what, two or three months now, I guess? Yeah, yeah. Something so like we uh, officially shipped uh, in December. So, I mean, the response has been great. We, we I think walking through the studio still today, we, we just have people on their one, one monitor might have a stream open and just kind of um, looking at responses from players live and um, reviews have been really good. We've had a lot of players kind of, um, we've had really nice messages come in from the community um, to kind of our, our, our um, any of our email addresses really. It's been just, uh, it, it took us by surprise how how well it was received. I mean, we, we obviously worked for many years on this this game and um yeah. when you're when you're so deep into it it's, it's sometimes hard to to take a step back and there were certainly moments in the project where we did that but nothing kind of prepares you for that launch you don't uh you never really know how it will go and for us it's been just 
really amazing to see how well it has been received by people. Um, and yeah, that's just great. I mean, it, it's very motivating <laughs> to know that we yeah. make the right choices along the way. We focus on the right things and that our core values have come through um, in, in the game in the end. And so, yeah, it's been, it's been wonderful. Yeah. And I think like, it's the type of game that I think can appeal to a pretty wide range of people too, because if you're really into like souls, like games, you're gonna, you're gonna dig this, but also there's like the, like the rebuilding the world, the way that works. And there's some really, um, there's some interesting lore that's pretty unique, I think, to the game as well that, um, you know, I think people who are into sort of more thoughtful or philosophical type games will also dig this. Um, so I think I think you guys did a great job of kind of appealing to to a lot of a lot of different types of gamers as well, which I found surprising. Or if people, you know, if you just really like co-op, like this is going to be a super unique co-op experience for you. Yeah, so, that's, um, that's something we set out to do. We we, we obviously have standard based content in the game. We know there's um, a, a pretty steep kind of learning curve for um, that sort of combat system, um, and so we try to make it as accessible for people coming from other genres as well um, to really kind of get lost in our world and um, yeah I mean the, the the reaction to even the lore of the world has been has been has been really good so um, yeah I think we we're all very proud of the studio that we managed to um, bring in so many players who might never have played even a Souls-like game. Uh, I, I guess the, the, the general principle is that yeah, if you play like I suppose what you would call like vanilla Ashen, and you embrace multiplayer, um, and you know like kind of uh, the whole co-op aspect, you'll probably go through the game, and it'll be like there'll be a couple of little tough bits like in the dungeons and stuff, but you'll go through pretty smoothly. Um, but on the other hand, if you play it once, say, and you want to do like our equivalent of New Game Plus, I guess. Uh, I would say it's it's harder than Dark Souls New Game Plus. Yeah. Uh, if you go in, if you go that route, because I would say like our our New Game Plus slash hardcore Dark Souls route is probably more like trying to solo the game, and doing our our New Game Plus is significantly harder than that. So the the whole point, like like even when we say accessibility, I guess it's. It's actually trying to, like, it doesn't mean, like, dumbing the game down necessarily. It actually means, like, even your most hardcore player should be challenged by this thing. And also your your newest player should um, be challenged by it, but not bounce off of, like, just something that's completely unrealistic for them to pick up in a time that, that would be fun for them, you know? Um, there's, there's, like, a lot of thought that's gone into, like... Uh, yeah, just just catering the game to a, to a whole bunch of different play styles and experience levels. So right now the game is available for Xbox, PC. I will be praying and fasting and holding candlelight vigils daily until I can play it on PlayStation and or Switch. So if anybody else wants to join me, just let me know. <laughs> uh, that, that isn't something that we've announced just yet, but we'll we'll be sure to. Yours will be like the first email we send. It's I coming. It. Because I'm going to be real hungry because I'll be fasting forever <laughs> until it happens. Well, uh, we do like to ask kind of some more more personal questions on this podcast. Um, we've already talked for 
over 40 minutes about just about the game. But yeah, so uh, you guys, um, now Derek, you you grew up in New Zealand, is that right? Um, I'm actually originally from South Africa myself. Oh, uh, are you? Okay. No, no, no relation to Mike here, <laughs> who has also lived in South Africa. It just happens to be that way. Um, and uh, I've lived in New Zealand, I'd say, half my life now. A little bit over half. Okay. Yeah. Okay, I, now that you say it, now, of course, I hear the South African accent a little bit. But I initially, I, I feel like I could hear the South African in Mike's yeah. voice yeah. more. I think my, my accent is a lot stronger. My accent's a bit weird, though. I don't think a lot of people would place it. Yeah. Mike, you've you lived in, like, was it, like, Spain and Belgium? Yeah, I grew up in I grew up in, in Belgium. Um, I was only in, in South Africa until I was about seven or so. But I've lived in, in Belgium, Spain, Germany, now New Zealand. So, yeah. Yeah, you're all over the map. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I have been. Which was the best place that you lived? Certainly New Zealand. Um, other places I was always looking for, okay, where's the next adventure? Uh, mm. and New, Zealand is, New Zealand is the adventure. Diplomatic, um, the diplomatic No, I, I really love New Zealand. It's a, it's a beautiful place. And um, yeah, it's, it's just, if you have an opportunity mm. to visit, definitely do it. Well, now we have some people to stay with, so. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'll just come to your guys' house and play Ashen. <laughs> there you go so did you know we we kind of like to hear like what what drives people what their background is did you guys grow up like in a church or anything was religion a part of your upbringing uh mine not hugely um south africa tends to be a fairly like religious place and so like a little bit when i was a kid i guess yeah but, um not so much not so much in new zealand i think like value system though like in general, I think to to be able to run a company, do all that sort of stuff, you've got to genuinely genuinely want to look after people. I think. Right. Um, and I think, uh, yeah, a, a lot of your upbringing leads towards that. I suppose is uh, trying to be a good person, trying to turn up to a place that you actually want to work at every day. Hmm. I think is is the most important thing that I do. Yeah. Uh, these days, and it's. Yeah, to, to, to find a group of passionate people that you want to work with, genuinely look after them, um, and kind of do that stuff is kind of what you're upbringing. Did, I, it's so your 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 parents kind of instilled that in you, you'd say? Uh, I would say so, yeah. Uh, it's it's so hard to know what influences it is. Like, I think a human <laughs> is so complex as to how these things are put together. Like, I feel like the oh, people yeah. that I work with every day right now instill it in me, you know, like reinforce mm-hmm. And it's like, and part of it is like being able to craft a studio of people that you want to look after as well, you know, like, like, there's, yeah. <laughs> there's some people things. that are easier to look after than others. That's true. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> I guess that shouldn't be a cop out necessarily, but, uh, how many people are in your guys' still, like how many people are on the team? Uh, 40. Yeah. So team of 40. Um, and again, like from a whole diverse bun- bunch of backgrounds and stuff like that where yeah. um yeah it's interesting it's 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 a really um unique challenge and uh i think it broadens your like it, it broadens your horizons a lot it makes you like it's almost like you know how people with kids say they kind of like they stand off certain edges i think like running a company stands off certain edges because <laughs> you 
you kind of become more accepting of more things. I guess it's like how, how like, uh, I don't know, parents are okay with their kids throwing up on them or <laughs> <laughs> they're okay with certain things which you're not normally okay with in everyday Dude, life. Like you I am not. I am not a parent yet, but I have such an aversion to drool. Yeah. And like yeah. when I see parents yeah. that are just like wiping it off with their hand and just licking it to get rid of it, I'm like, <laughs> I can't Who would lick it. I'm, I'm exaggerating, but like okay. I, oh, I see that, and I'm like, I, uh, mm. yeah. I'm sorry, it's you like triggered it, me. You 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 get like um, and. Parenting is probably a good example, though, and I think that's the same thing where it's like you genuinely want to look after a group of people, and you prioritize yeah. whether it's like, is this thing more important right now? Like some something that maybe before I ran a company I would have been worried about, you know, or is mm -hmm. it more important to look look after this group of people? Um, yeah, so it it, does, it changes you for sure, uh, but it, it, as I say, it's reciprocal, like. Folks in the company, like I mean, game developers in general are super passionate about what they do, and mm. you know, like that that level of energy is returned as well. So it's a, it's a really good place to be in. It's uh, very positive. I love the simplicity of that. Like just look after people. I think that's just beautiful. Yeah. Well, Mike, you're here with uh, mm -hmm. with Derek, uh, and he's talking about how he tries. <laughs> do, you, do you feel like after? Doing? How's he doing? <laughs> yeah, yeah, like the. Joining A44 was um, was like a, a great kind of um, thing for me because I uh, I've been kind of all over the place um, both in AAA um, so in large studios uh, worked as an indie worked as a lecturer and then returning to games um, here at at A44 and it's been a really supportive environment and I think that's something we um, like I've always felt and I've always felt that was um, kind of core to the studio um, because the people we have here um, it's probably the, the the best team I've ever worked in in terms of people getting mm. along um, even as we grew over the last kind of two years to 40 now um, people are really close in the studio um, people like get along really well and I think that's that's because from the top um, it's kind of the, the, the idea is to treat people with respect, um, collaborate, and take care of each other. And uh, I mean, like, if, if uh, when new employees join from overseas, for instance, um, everyone in the studio jumps to to kind of help them out, whether that's driving them around to go to house viewings or give mm -hmm. references so that they can actually rent a place or give suggestions. And um, and that's something that's I think really unique. Hmm. here at the studio that i haven't experienced anywhere else and i think it's a little bit the kiwi way as well kiwis are very open and friendly mm -hmm. and you'd walk around the street like just around your neighborhood and um someone you never knew might just say hi and ask how your day was and i mean that's kind of a nice thing um, especially for me having moved previously from germany <laughs> where everything's very strict <laughs> and, and people are lovely yeah. people are nice but people um i guess are a lot more it, it's a bit of a different culture and it's not to say it's bad it's it like really like derek says it really opens up your horizons to like to like other things and other experiences but um at the same time coming to new zealand and feeling that kind of 
support all around you is um, it, it's it's really great and it lets you it lets you be creative. That's that's amazing for games. It doesn't um, kind of stop you in that sense. It really kind of encourages you to be creative um, and to go out and do and take care of other people as well and be a be a nice person, a good person around you. So what about you, Mike? Did you grow up going to to church or anything, or what was your upbringing? I'd say when I was really young, again, just like day growing up in South Africa, my, my family's religious. Um, moving to Belgium, living in kind of Catholic countries, um, so I, I suppose I had somewhat of a religious yeah. upbringing, although I'm not religious myself. Um, yeah. But I guess what I like my upbringing was much like Derek's a lot about taking care of people. My family's really close. It's, it's not a very, um, like we're not a very big family. Um, mm-hmm. I, my parents in, in particular are the reason that I, I got opportunities, um, to, to travel, um, to see different places in the world, live in different yeah. places, go to different schools growing up as a te- as a teenager. I'm sure I was a nightmare for them, but I learned a lot from it. And I think that support is something that I, I've always mm. kind of tried to, to give to other people as well, whether that's game developers or, or, or just any kind of support people need. I, I try and, and be there for them and kind of push onto them with, I guess, the values that my, my parents and my family kind of put on me, which was a lot about support and, um, and, and, and treating people with respect, um, especially I mean, growing up in South Africa uh, can be quite rough. Um, and, and for us moving out of South Africa very, very young, uh, me, me and my siblings, um, it kind of, kind of made us look, look at what we knew from when we were kids and kind of say, okay, hey, like it is really important that in in this kind of world and we need to to support each other and um, I guess be 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 the best kind of people we we can possibly be. I think it's really interesting to me to hear you guys, you know, this mantra keep coming of like taking care of people, taking care of people, taking care of people. And then to hear about the kind of game that you made, which is, you know, having a partner and taking care of that person so that you don't die horribly in a dungeon. Um, <laughs> yeah. You know, but like that, that theme is there. And I think to hear that is maybe grown out of you guys is, is cool. But to be fair, it is actually a little like, Game development is the dark souls of <laughs> of jobs because I mean it, 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 <laughs> that's it, right. it's, 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 that's the a, quote right there. Yeah, it's a it's a hit driven industry, right? So, uh-huh. um, yeah, like actually that that analogy is pretty good because uh, we look after each other, but like you know it's it's, it's fairly high risk. It requires a lot of you, uh, mm-hmm. you know, like you know, and by that I don't mean like working long hours or anything like that. I mean like cerebrally like you've got to come to work right. like wanting to absolutely kill it every day and like if you don't essentially you just ship a bad game <laughs> and, mm-hmm. and the yeah. studio closes you know that's, that's kind of, <laughs> right. it's kind of yeah. how game dev works if you want to oversimplify it um mm-hmm. it's more like running a sports team than it is running a conventional business in some senses you know um yeah in, in that when you do ship and that kind of uncertain moment of like what's going to happen now uh, it comes along mm-hmm. it's it's like game night you know um yeah and and so yeah like when when you released uh 
I'm sure like when you released the game a couple months ago, you're sitting there going like, all right, uh, is this, are people going to love it? Or like, am I going to have to shut the studio down? <laughs> like, yeah, like mean, you're... We were happy with it, you know? And I, I think, but right. know, we're still like, I remember like the, when the, like we were at the game awards and we hadn't, cause like there was an embargo on reviews. So, uh, you know, we hadn't seen what, what the, what the scores were going to be yet or anything like that. And coming out of it, I'm like, Look, as long as we get sixes, we're like we're above a five. It's above fifty percent. Happy with it. <laughs> yeah. And like the first one that comes out was like GameSpot or something, right? Yeah, it was like nine out of ten. I'm like, surely it's a bug. Refresh. <laughs> <laughs> surely, <laughs> surely they made the type be. of six. They were dyslexic or yeah. something. Yeah, I'm just like, where's the sixes? All right. And then we kept. So we, I think we sort of averaged like eight point five from like all the big reviews. So we got like eight, eights, eight point fives uh nines and like it was um yeah e- even then even after the first three or four i was still like yeah i didn't believe where's it. like because yeah you, you you're too close to it you're too deep into mm-hmm. it like yeah yeah and it, it mm-hmm. was awesome seeing everyone um when we did announce the game we had we had snacks in the studio and, and, and everyone was hanging out and just watching the game and was waiting for our trailer that we've seen so many times to, to drop it live <laughs> all these people and then everybody yeah their desk and started refreshing seeing okay how has a review come out yet has a review come out yet um and every time there was everyone would kind of gather and uh, yeah we, we definitely didn't believe the like reads and codes and yeah we we really thought like something went horribly wrong somewhere (laughs) but we took it and um yeah it it was it was just great seeing like the whole company come together and and then really see like hey we did this together it wasn't just a one one person thing it it really was a it was a team effort and yeah yeah that's cool that's and that's encouraging to hear because i think that um You know, obviously this is changing to some degree in the industry as more awareness uh, is, as as there's more awareness of some of the um, poor and and unreasonable working conditions that a lot of of studios kind of expect of their employees. It sounds like you guys managed to make a great game in a way that was like respectful of the people who were helping make it and make it in a way that those people felt like a real sense of accomplishment about it. Like there was a real effort to work hard on it in a way that wasn't like, um, unhealthy, like soul, like soul crushing and, un- and unhealthy, yeah. um, which is encouraging to hear. Yeah. I think what, what we, I guess it's a big ask to work at, at, at A44, not in terms of, of work hours or, or conditions that, that other studios um, might might suffer from, but more in terms of like really like Derek said, like if you when you come in, like you you'd want to kill it, and everybody puts everything they know, everything um, they can possibly do into this game to to make it as um, as good as it can be, and then the only thing we do to take care of our staff is make sure they have that platform to, to do that and that they're mm-hmm. taken care of. Because if, if you if, if your developers don't want to come in putting in those hours anymore um, to uh, the, the, like spending their time at work should be productive, um, then, I mean, if they burn out, then there's no creativity anymore. So, yeah. um, so uh, and we're, we're well aware of that. 
So, I mean, we, we realize it's hard work, but we, again, mm -hmm. take care, you need to take care of your people if you want to pull something like this off. And so that, that's something we're just very wary of. And, um, and, and that kind of leads into the, the working conditions having uh, to be like strictly good <laughs> working. Yeah. yeah and, um, uh, but that's not to say that it's it's like all this fun and games. You come in and uh, and you clock out at the end of the day. It's really mm -hmm. you're here. You're really like like putting every bit of your soul into into this game. Yeah. Um. So that you're like, I mean, that's why the team was so incredibly satisfied afterwards because it was it wasn't a, a project that required them to never see their family or anything like that. Um, it right. It's a really fun project to work on. Um, mm. although it was very challenging, especially right. first game for a big studio. Um, and I think that's, I mean, we take pride in that. that that's why, yeah. why our developers are so good. And that's why, um, yeah, you should, we, we want more people like our developers to join us. Mm -hmm. And maybe it's just the quality of the game, or maybe it's that everybody had a lot of fun making it, I, but I'm curious, like, can you pinpoint like something that, like, how did you, is there one or two things that you did to create that culture where people come to work and are like, I want to kill it today. Like I want to do, I want to work really hard. Well, um, we're asking for a friend. All right. <laughs> oh, we, we, had, we, had, we did karaoke once. <laughs> um, that's the key we, we have this thing which we, we we even say honestly in interviews like i warned people about it it's kind of exactly what mike's breaking apart there uh like like uh, is i literally say to them like you're not gonna um be doing like crazy crunch hours here you know like that's not 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 really what we do um but we're going to like, unre like to an unreasonable degree, people around you are going to want you to be like hyper engaged. Like, and that's not even something like, it's not like there's a lead, like cracking the whip or anything. It's like the developer next to you is going to want to ask you things about things and is going to be super excited about this stuff and mm. want to engage with you. So just like, if you have any inclination to wanting to like clock in, put your headphones on, just do what you got to do and clock out. Like, it's probably not the place for you because <laughs> you've got like, like, I, I guess everybody is passionate about, it. like they want to do it, like actively they're mm -hmm. hyper engaged and it's almost like yeah. the shit, you can't kind of stop that culture. And like, I, I just try to warn them about that. I guess that mm -hmm. uh, people look at it and they're like, that's exactly what I want. Like I want to be world-class at what I do. I want to learn as much as I can from the people around mm. me. And that's like a benefit, but for other folks, like one person's heaven is another person's hell in some cases, you know, and some people, <laughs> I just want to sit down. I want to do my thing. I'm going to do a good yeah. job every day, but I'm just going to do my thing. And then I'm going to head off home. And like, I don't really want to talk to anybody or if I do it like, <laughs> at, at, at lunch about yeah. like, the game or something, you know, but like, and if, if that's the case, like they'll find it quite challenging to, to not have that. But, um, yeah, so and, and I mean, because of that, the, the folks who join us generally know what they, they're getting into. Um, and, yeah. And that's what it is, yeah. I, uh, in my previous job, I shared an office with two different people. So it was like, well, the first I shared an office with another guy. And I'm very much like an outward processor, you know? Like, I just, I need to, like, talk things over with people or, like, ask questions or just 
bounce ideas and stuff. And he very much was not and got super annoyed until the point of like, I needed to move. And so then I went to a different office and shared with another person and the same thing happened. And then he asked oh, to be moved man. until I was just kind of in my own office sitting with my own thoughts and stuff. But I love that idea of like, and I think you're, you're acknowledging this. Like there's some people that just don't work that way and that's cool. You know, find a place that, that caters to that. But um, yeah, I think that's a really cool, I, I'll send in my application. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, in, in, in all honesty, we, we, we have folks who kind of probably do, like, like they spend most of their day just doing their thing, but it's more that at these crucial, like, moments, like, people are going to want to engage you, and they're going to engage you about, like, things that you didn't expect that they're going to want to know about, or, um, you know, if you commit something and someone else, like, looks at it and thinks they can do it better, like, they're either going to, like, come to you and, like, talk to you about it and figure out why, or they're going to just like do it themselves, you know, because there's that sense of pride in the project, I guess. Hmm. Like, yeah, yeah. It's it, like, if, if you share that perspective, then it's, it's really good because, uh, yeah, yeah it, it kind of helps things out and it, it really does cater for like a whole bunch of personality types. Um, mm-hmm. it, uh, it's just a perspective, I guess. Yeah. And, and like a, a yeah. goal. Yeah, yeah. It's really like the, they like, we, we give a lot of, I guess, ownership over the things that the developers and, and the designers and the artists and everything else, everybody's making. And there's a lot of kind of like, like it's not that, um, that you own one piece of the puzzle that no one else gets involved there. And I think that's kind of what we mean in terms of like, okay, you, you get to do all these great things, but it's very, it's very collaborative. Everybody wants to know what everybody else is doing. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, it's just really that engagement like mm-hmm. when you head home at five, you're going to be tired. Mm-hmm. Your brain's going to be tired. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, um, and I mean, yeah, that's, that's um, what, what, yeah. what I think makes a great studio people who are mm-hmm. that, that engaged. Yeah. And that's a good feeling when it's like, when it's shared with other people, you know, like mm-hmm. when you're working on something together and you feel like, Hey, we're both really into this and we both are really invested in it. And you leave home tired, but it's like you're tired because you did something. It's a good tired. Though, yeah, that was worthwhile. Um, I, I definitely like walking I, around the studio and like you kind of know you can talk to anybody about what they're doing or what you're doing. Mm-hmm. And they're mm-hmm. going to be very engaged, which is interesting now that I think about it. Yeah, it really is. I mean, we've got people that have like the real niche niche skills that they are just so specialized in and so knowledgeable. And they always want to talk about it as well. That's why our meetings generally go way too long because people are too, en- too engaged. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's great. Yeah, and I think like it's kind of um, like you guys are the size of studio where it's you know it's it's not like a it's obviously not like a tiny indie studio, but it's it's not like a massive AAA thing either. Mm-hmm. But I, I think you know the bigger your your studio gets the more temptation there is to like um, kind of just like hire someone to do a thing, you know, but it sounds like you guys have created a culture where like people feel like they can speak into just about anything that you're doing and they can say, Hey, I've got an idea about how, how we could make this better. And there's like an openness to, to hear people out and stuff, which I think. Yeah. I mean, that's like our, perspective at the moment you know and it's very like 
it's a very tight culture, I guess you could say. Um, it's an interesting thing. This is like, I guess nothing to do with us, but I might as well go on about it anyway. Is like there's, there's kind of a theory in in business growth, I suppose, um, is that I suppose you can call it like culture hiring in general, and like yeah. building a team according to like a specific culture. So say in our case, people who want to be like hyper engaged and like um, absolutely kill it every time they come in, um, and like finding those folks is good when you're say your team is like zero to a hundred, I guess. Um, but once you go over a certain size, um, apparently that stuff starts to, uh, inhibit growth within your company. Cause you start to get, I guess, mm. the echo chamber. Everyone's got too much of a similar, similar mm. perspective where apparently there's, there's a point in companies where you need to essentially like split into little mini companies and each of those start culture hiring of their own, I guess you could say. And we're on purpose. It's like you have different cultures and almost competing views within your company is actually a, a valuable thing. Um, mm. I don't know that we're necessarily there huh. yet, but um, it's kind of like an interesting perspective on how companies grow and uh, how you, how you met, you, you always make sure that you can challenge the status quo or like, or like what things are and like continue evolving where when you're at a certain size, you can do that with your people. And then when you get too big, it becomes like, something that makes your company stagnate if you keep it around too much. So it's this interesting kind of fluid dynamic where I think if we got bigger, we'd have to change to some degree as well. Right. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Well, I've enjoyed hearing about your studio. It sounds like a really, like you've managed to, uh, you've ma managed to hit a nice balance there. And uh, I certainly loved Ashen. So I really appreciate uh, the opportunity to chat with you guys. It's been great. Yeah, thank you yeah. so much. Thanks for having us. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And um, so, uh, I mean, obviously the game's only been out for a couple of months. You're probably still catching your breath and stuff. But uh, any anything you can tell us about what's next for you guys? You guys have uh, plans for another uh, another game? It is. It's going to be an exciting year. I could say that for sure. Uh, <laughs> we're we're not going to be too quiet this year. Uh, I I can't say nice. what any of it is though. It's uh, exciting. Yeah. I'll, I'll say walking through the studio is incredibly exciting. <laughs> That's cool. Yeah. Well, because uh, they we... just delivered the new shipment of PS4s that they can start testing action on. I think. Yeah. Well, if if you want to go ahead and announce what the new <laughs> you know project is, we can hold this episode <laughs> until <laughs> until I go. No, I'm kidding. Um, well, uh, yeah, th th this was a really enjoyed chat with you all, and um, we definitely yeah. encourage people to go play go play Ashen. Um, it's available on PC and also on Xbox mm -hmm. One. Um, and Chris is going to be fasting and praying uh, until it comes out on some other platforms. Candlelight so vigils so, as well. Um, be uh, yeah. Yeah, just join Chris in his candlelight vigils if you want. If you want to play this on another live platform, stream but... on Twitch, twenty four yeah. hour candlelight <laughs> vigil. That's right. That's right. Um, so where where can people uh, follow you guys? Obviously, um, you you can look up your work online, but uh, but you guys on Twitter or anything else you'd mention? Yeah, I mean you can always check out our website, which links to everything at a four four games dot com. Um, we're most active probably on Twitter and uh, Instagram, I'd say. It's probably the best places to find us. Yeah, if you uh, just search cool. A44 Games on both of them, you'll find us. Yep, exactly. Great. Cool. Well, I would also encourage people to go check out um, 
Annapurna's uh, lineup too. Um, Annapurna published Ashen, and uh, man, everything everything Annapurna puts out is just super unique and interesting. Um, so I'm always keeping my eyes peeled for what's next with that with uh, with your publisher. So uh, what was it like working with Annapurna? It just seems like such a cool uh, publisher. Yeah, absolutely. Like um, they they were, they were also really engaged on like the design into things getting the feedback on stuff was amazing so yeah that's been great that's cool great cool man well uh that's i guess that's it for us uh you can follow me on twitter i'm drew dixon 82 chris is not on twitter well he is but he doesn't use it so yeah sorry yeah don't i keep telling myself i'll do it and then i don't (laughs) you can follow uh love thy nerd on all the social medias just about just search for love thy nerd uh, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, just search for that. You'll find it. Uh, we have a great community of nerds. It's called love thy nerd community. Just search for love thy nerd community on Facebook. If you want to join our community, you can get on there and nerd out about nerd stuff with all your nerd friends. It'll be great. Um, and we have a great website, love with all kinds of great articles, podcasts. We have a podcast network. So this is one of three podcasts that love thy nerd puts out. We also have free play, which gets into all areas of nerd culture um, and is just really entertaining, really fun podcast to listen to. Uh, we also have a, a comic, book co- comic book podcast called The Pull List that's definitely worthy of your time as well. Uh, that's it for us. Thanks so much for listening. Please go rate and review us on iTunes or Stitcher or wherever you do podcasts. And uh, tell your friends and family about this podcast. Um, and if you write and review our podcast, we may be able to get you a free game or something. Just let me know. Mm-hmm. If you have questions about this podcast uh, or questions you want us to ask designers on this podcast or you want to uh, talk anything about Loveliner, just email me or Chris. Just our, our first names at loveliner.com. Uh, that's it. Thanks again, uh, Derek and Mike. This was, this was a lot of fun. Yeah. That was tons of fun. Thank you, guys. Yeah, thank you very much.